by way of review quickly, as I, we looked at last week, our first, our first study, uh, First Timothy is Paul writing to this young pastor in Ephesus. Timothy is the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Paul has just recently been released from, uh, from the first prison there in Rome. We know that he's going to be arrested the second several years down the road. And the second, when he writes to Second Timothy, that uh, he is describing the fact that he's greatly offered up. He's fought a good fight. About fight. He's fought a good fight. He knows that his time of departure is at hand. So all uh, these, these two books are instructing Timothy basically to do two things. One, and that is to get the, the church in order as far as how it is spiritually to operate with elders and deacons, uh, how it is to be organized in order to function. Uh, as we mentioned last week, the key verse uh, is uh, 3, 315. The things, these things write out into you, hoping to come into these shortly. But if I carry along, that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. This has not so much to do with conduct as it has to do with, with worship and preparing and, and organization. But it does have something to do with how you should behave in the house of God, how you should conduct your, your affairs. Uh, I can tell you a lot of churches ignore that today. And some of the worshiping and some of the, the styles of worship that goes on. Um, but you look at Timothy, and even Second Timothy, the bottom line is, is we are to take seriously doctrine and the teaching of the church. That it is absolutely important. That when we come together to worship, well, that's when we come together, is to worship but it's not about feel good, which it does. I love the worship. But it has to do with learning the word of God that we might apply it to our lives. You know, by word if I get my heart, that I might not sin against it. And so when we come together, it's to learn from God's word. And that the feel good comes from the Holy Spirit blessing us, uh, causing us to rejoice with those things that we are learning from God's Word as we grow in Christ. Uh, it's not to be such a... Uh, we, we love music, and music is an important aspect uh, of worship, but nothing compares. I love your testimonies. I'll weep over a testimony. I'll weep over singing. Uh, and, and I praise God for it. But it's the Word of God that's going to cause a person to grow in Christ, in the proper manner. It's the Word of God. And that's what Paul is talking to First Timothy, or talking to Timothy about, about doing. Uh, so, verse 4, needed, pretty much where we left off last week, we get through four verses. The chapter. Of one. Ephesus was founded right next to a synagogue. 
a Jewish synagogue. And if you were attending the Jewish synagogue, one of the things that you're going to hear a lot about is their different tribes, their different background, who they were related to, uh, endless genealogies that tried, that it was these genealogies that made them who they thought they were. There, there was a pride in the nation of Israel. And so Paul is making sure that Timothy understands that not to give heed to, to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying. And what's interesting about the word edifying, it is oikonomia. It means stewardship. It's translated dispensation. We talk about the dispensation of the grace of God, or the stewardship of the grace of God, or the economy of God's grace. This is talking about godly stewardship. Avoid all of these vain babblings. He's going to go down and call it vain jaggling. All of these different things that really are contrary to what the Word of God says. And this is what's important. In order to know what the Word of God says, what must you do? Study to show myself approved in God. Workmen that need must not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This, that's how he's pretty much going to end it with young Timothy. He's going to talk about doctrine. He's going to talk about what to avoid in his advice to him through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is to study to show thyself approved unto God. Workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it's absolutely imperative that you rightly divide, and we talked about that last week. But the genealogies <coughs> which minister questions, and you get so bogged down with questions, and most of the time these questions don't really have an answer that leads to spiritual growth, and that's what Paul is warning Timothy about. Uh, now the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart. Text is king. When you're studying the Word of God, you need to understand that the, the text is, is king. And in order to find the answer, I, I, I think you have to find which commandment that, that the Apostle Paul is talking about when he just gave him a commandment uh, in verse 3. You might charge some that they teach no other doctrine. That's the commandment that Paul is talking about here, I believe. That you, you take seriously the word of God. Now the end or the goal of the commandment is charity, a love out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and a faith unfeigned. Um, true doctrine, proper teaching of the word of God, is not done in order to beat people over the head with, well, God says. But then at the same time, if God speaks, don't you want to know what it is that God says and why God says it? So when you, when Paul was telling Timothy to teach no other doctrine, then he's done, we'll look at that in just a second, which doctrine is he talking about? Uh, it, it's important that we realize that we do so out of love, out of kindness, out of mercy. If something is in error, 
If something is wrong, whether it be conduct or false doctrine, and it's contrary to what God's Word says, is it love to avoid those conversations? Is it love to just ignore them? Is it love with, first with, with Stephanie and what George shared Paul ago uh, with her getting involved in spiritism? Uh, I, there are people I'm sure that would say, well, just embrace her and tell her what she's doing. At least she's searching. Well, you know what she's searching? It's demonic. <coughs> Where she's going, it's demonic. So we know what, what the Bible says. We know, well, what does doctrine mean? Teach it. What does the Bible teach? That's the bottom line. So when we know something is in error, not because I believe it to be, not even because I want it to be, it's what does God's word say? That's that's the bottom line. And so when what we see here that that there's a, a doctrine, there's a teaching that needs to be addressed. Uh, is it love to ignore? Is it love to act as if there's there's uh, it's okay? Um, because hey, the whole point of I'm okay, you're okay, that's not okay. We need to see what God's word says, and that that's our basis. That's our basis. Uh, if someone asked if uh, if I believe that that Jesus Christ was the way, the truth, and the life, that he was the only way to God. And my, my, com my comeback uh, is, well, what, what does the Bible say? Well, yeah, well, what do you say? It doesn't matter what I say. Well, are you a Bible? First of all, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Well, if I'm a Bible-believing Christian, that needs to tell you what my position is going to be on that, that point. That Christ and Christ alone is the way to heaven. That there's, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me. Isn't that narrow-minded? Well, what does the Bible say? Mm -hmm. If I'm a Bible-believing Christian, then I have to believe what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. If I don't believe what the Bible says, guess what? I'm not a Bible-believing Christian. Right. <laughs> so it, it opens the door. So, right. you know, I, but we apologize. You see people... When it, especially that that topic, that doctrine. Well, uh, they start trying to fudge, or they try because they want to be accepted. What I want to see them do is accept the one that's the way, the truth, and the life. That there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If I do go further with that doctrine, it's to say, okay, all right, you're right. All roads do lead to God. All religions do lead to God. Uh, because every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. There's only one way that leads to Him as Savior. There's a whole bunch of ways that lead to Him as Judge. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess to the glory of so uh, that you expand that as a form of, of warning, there's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. That doctrine, uh, that's one of the doctrines that, that Paul is going to make sure that uh, all, uh, that Timothy guards, uh, that first and second Timothy, the apostle goes into 
in great detail, Timothy, what has been committed to your trust, which is the gospel of the grace of God, you protect, you guard, you preach. And that gospel of the grace of God includes the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Some, someone wrote to me this week. Uh, they watch us on YouTube every, every Sunday. <coughs> They've been supporting that, that, an excellent ministry that we have going there. Praise God for Aaron and, and Tim who, who do that back there in the back. Because so many people are, are, are tuning in. I was amazed how many people are tuning in. Um, but this one person got into a conversation with a friend of theirs, and that person says, well, I believe in Jesus, I just don't believe in the resurrection. Do I have to, if, I believe in, if I believe in Jesus, do I have to believe in the resurrection? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because what do you think about Jesus then? I mean, did, did you believe that he was a good guy? Well, he was a good guy. He was a great teacher. I didn't need a teacher. I didn't need a great example. I needed a savior. The only one that could save me was the one that rose from the dead. And the Bible is so clear that Christ rose from the dead. Well, I, if I want to believe in Jesus, do I have to believe in the resurrection because it's just not very scientific? Does that sound like a man? The wisdom of man? What I'm talking about is standing for doctrine that's true teaching those things, avoiding all these things that Paul mentions that are not true. These endless genealogies that just minister questions. Mm -hmm. Now the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience, a faith unfailing, believing what it is the Bible says and teaches. For which some have swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, mm -hmm. talking idly where it just doesn't accomplish anything. Uh, I've heard some preachers preach. And that's exactly what it came across as. Yeah. As vain jangling. Uh, look at, drop down to verse 10. No, no. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Look, look at 1 Timothy 4 7. That's the verse I Look at 4 7. 1 Timothy 4 7. Thyself. Mm -hmm. uh -oh. We're not done. 
look at 620. 1 Timothy 6.20. O Timothy, guard or keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith, grace be with thee. Amen. What you think that that was a hot topic with the Apostle Paul, and how many times has he mentioned it? If the issue is, uh, look at 2 Timothy. And we only want to hear We'll get more of these later on. Uh, but he picks back up that topic in 2 Timothy. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers, steady to show thyself approved unto God, the workmen need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings. Evidently, there in Ephesus, there was a real issue. They were seriously under attack. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as nothing. Cain, of whom Hymenaeus and Philetus, whom concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of something. False doctrine. False doctrine. So, Diana. Do you tell us where we were? Do what? She was asking for the reverence. Well, that that, that second, one was 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2, starting with verse 14, 15, 15 through 19. And there are others, and we'll, we'll get to them as we go through 2 Timothy. It was an issue. And Paul starts out writing to this pastor in Ephesus, and he finishes writing to this pastor in Ephesus with warning the doctrine. One of the reasons why here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship, we take our doctrinal position seriously. Uh, we, don't, we don't have a membership. We have a letter of affiliation. One of the things that letter of affiliation says is that you agree with the doctrinal position of this church. And if you don't agree with the doctrinal position of this church, as prescribed, you can't affiliate. And if you're not affiliated, then you can't vote to change anything like that. So, you know, if, if it's the doctrine, number one, you have to that, that letter of affiliation declares that you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Number two, that uh, you agree with the doctrinal position of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, those two main things. Then you can affiliate. Then you can be part of this local congregation. You can be part of a local congregation and attend and learn and pray and get active. There's certain things you can't do. Uh, certain uh, authority is not regulated to you because of that. John, you, like, like Paul did, you know, the vain janglings and the geology, like he said himself about himself. I was an Israelite. I was a Benjamin. I was a Pharisee of Pharisee. And the end result, they're all done. They're all done. That's all exactly done. right. Yeah. All, all of these things Paul was, and when it comes to the end of it all, they're all done. He counted them 
say that Paul was married and he left three children, and I'm like, you cannot find that in the Bible. And he didn't, certainly didn't call a wife and three children dumb. And that's dog pooping. But he was a Pharisee, and there was certain restrictions of requirements of the Pharisee, and one was to be married. Right.
And it's all for us. But we've got to realize that it's not all to us. And the way you determine that is you show yourself approved. Rightly dividing the word, the word of truth. Uh, verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. Folks, this verse is so instrumental in understanding what St. Louis Bible Fellowship is all about. It's all about glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's also all about, look at Ephesians, which Timothy was passionate in this church, by the way. Verse 9. Timothy 3, verse 9. What are we about? Ephesians? Ephesians. Ephesians. Yeah. Ephesians. Look at Ephesians 3, 9. I was just checking to make sure you guys were with me. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. That's to make Paul see the fellowship of the mystery, explaining the mystery, that which had been revealed to Saul of Tarsus as the apostle to the Gentiles, a special revelation that was given to him different than the revelation that was given to the twelve apostles. That, that is it is so absolutely necessary that we understand that. Uh, and that's what Paul is talking about here when he talks about the glorious gospel. It is that gospel <coughs> that was revealed to him. What does the word gospel mean? It means good news. It means good news. And it is glorious. Paul calls it, look at Romans 13. Let sure I'll say Romans 11, 13. Romans 11, 13. Talk about the glorious gospel. The good news that's glorious is that God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself through what Christ Jesus accomplished on Calvary's cross. That he included Israel in the same unbelief that he included the Gentiles in back in the Tower of Babylon. He had already given the Gentiles over to a reprobate mind. God, in his mercy, gave Israel up to a reprobate mind, blinded them, not so that judgment would fall immediately, but that grace would abound. And salvation would be offered to all who believe. That's at the heart of the mystery. That's the heart of the gospel, that good news that was given to the Apostle Paul. Revelation 11, 13, For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I... Romans 11, 13. You said Revelation. I don't know if you're still on Revelation. Romans 11, 13. We just finished Revelation. That's the one of my mind. We're in a world of You guys are awake. I speak to you Gentiles, as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. 
Paul was not an egotist. He was, he was not on an ego trip. He had a special commission. He had a special revelation that was given to him and that back over in 1 Timothy, he talks about how it was committed, verse 11, 1 Timothy 1, it was committed to his trust. And he killed Timothy. Guard that. Guard that. But that's, that's there's others too. Look at uh,
Verse 29, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God's not going to change his mind what he's, gonna, what he's promised to the nation of Israel. For as in times past have, have not believed, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. For in times past, you didn't believe. You talk to the Gentiles, the church there. In times past, you didn't believe God. Yet you've now obtained mercy through their unbelief through their disobedience, through their rejection, talking about the nation of Israel, uh, you, you have, you've been, you've obtained mercy. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also might obtain mercy. For God, here we go, <coughs> God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. That is the heart mystery and the purpose of God. So that whosoever will, let him come. Verse 33 of Romans 11, I think Paul just breaks out into a, a worship here when he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You know, what, a, what an awesome God we serve. Um, look at Galatians Galatians chapter, chapter 1. The church there in Galatia, things were happening that were not sound doctrine. The Judaizers were coming up there and basically telling them they had to obey the law of Moses, they had to be circumcised. There were some major, major issues. So what was happening was another what was happening is another gospel was being proclaimed. Uh, the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom was being proclaimed in Galatia, in Ephesus, in Colossae, all these Judaizers, those who believed that Christ was the Messiah, they were going up and infiltrating these churches and telling them, you've got to obey the law of Moses. You've got to be circumcised. Basically, the gospel of the kingdom. And there are, there are all sorts of promises concerning the gospel of the kingdom. What, and those promises concern when Christ rules and reigns on earth, the government's going to be purified, Israel's going to receive all those blessings, the child can play next to the snake hole, the desert's going to bloom as the rose, all of the gospel of the kingdom <coughs> is a glorious gospel. Um, but that's not the gospel that Paul preaches. The gospel that Paul preaches has to do with salvation being offered to the Gentiles through the finished work of Christ by faith. But look, verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel. That's not a, it's not talking about a false teaching. But it's, another, it's literally another gospel. Galatians was written during that transition period. And the kingdom gospel was being declared. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would prefer the good news of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. 
As we said before, so now I say again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than you have received, let him be accursed. You know why? Because what you teach and say today concerning salvation is absolutely paramount. If you tell a man that in order to be saved, he needs, what he needs to do is you need to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, and that's what that person does, question that person's salvation. Because that's works. For by grace, that's the whole point of Paul's ministry. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Wow, how, how clear, how plainer can you get? Uh, we'll get to Titus eventually and in these pastoral epistles. And Paul tells Titus through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by His mercy He saves us. Uh, what are two works of righteousness? Repentance, baptism, and again, just a glaring alerting us to the fact that there was another gospel being preached. Okay, back to First Timothy one. Diana, did you have your comment? Asking for the record, you Oh, okay. Linda, do you have your hand? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Verse 12. We may not get it. We'll get started. Mm -hmm. Verse 12, 1 Timothy 1. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. When you read the letter to the Corinthians and how many times he was shipwrecked and beaten and cast into prison and all the things that took place, uh, he had to have an amazing man, an amazing man. And I think that's why Luke hung around with him because he was a physician. Right, he needed, he needed, he needed, he needed a physician. But this is Paul's attitude. It's not, Lord, why are you allowing all this to happen? But... And we're going to find out from Paul that he counted, he counted great. He was, uh, he praised God for all those affirmities and difficulties that happened. So that's the kind of individual he was. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious or insulting, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Uh, under the law, and I think this is in, I think this is important. Under the law, if you kill someone uh, and it was an accident, you did it ignorantly, uh, it could be forgiven. And under the law, there were cities of refuge set up that you could escape to, and you were safe in those cities of refuge. Uh, Deuteronomy talks about that. Uh, Numbers talks about Numbers 35 talks about it. Uh, Deuteronomy 19 talks about those laws concerning if you kill somebody in ignorance, uh, didn't mean to, it was an accident, you didn't know, that you, didn't, you didn't know what you were doing, then there was a city of refuge. When Christ was on the cross, 
What did he say? Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they did. Boy, that goes back to what the law state. On those grounds, he could forgive. By the way, when Stephen says, Lord, don't lay this to their account, sorry, Charlie. They knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. And, and that, that is absolutely so um, important that we, we realize that. But they did it ignorantly. He was a blasphemer. Now, the scripture says that uh, all manner of blasphemy will be forgiven. You can blaspheme God the Father. You can blaspheme God the Son. Uh, the only blasphemy that was not forgiven was under the kingdom program, and that was the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And it was only those kingdom believers that could commit the, the unpardonable, if you will, sin, blasphemy the Holy Spirit. Um, they're the ones that could commit that. Look at he commit that. Look at Hebrews. Look at Hebrews. Chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. If I say anything else, it's Hebrews chapter 6. What verse? That verse, start with verse 4. Who's Hebrews being written to? Hebrews. Hebrews. Thank you. It's an explanation of what's happened during the transition. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, and a lot of people use this verse to show that eternal security is not true. Well, for the nation of Israel and these Hebrews who were believing that Christ was the Messiah and then they turned away and denied the work of the Holy Spirit, they did lose their salvation. But there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. What was the heavenly gift? Baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and thereafter as those truths came about and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit. There it is. It can't get much clearer. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come or the world to come. Talking about the kingdom program. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified in themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, where you attribute what's going on to the works of Satan, and you deny that that is the work of the Holy Spirit, and give him, you, you've seen it, you've witnessed it, because here's what, and I would much rather. Walk by faith because you you see the tongues that were going on, the healings that were going on, the working of the Holy Spirit going on. It is no longer walking by faith. You're walking by sight. And, and that was a good thing at the time. They, they, they saw the evidence. They saw the miracles. They saw the signs. It was obvious that God was doing exactly what he said he was going to do. And they saw it Yet they still denied it. 
It, they're just as guilty as the Pharisees and all the others who saw him raise the dead, saw him make the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. Uh, they're just as guilty as those seeing all of that and saying, let's kill it. There, there's no difference. There is no difference. They accredited that to Satan? And they, I, I, it doesn't say that they did, but we know who was behind it. Right. It doesn't say, and they credited it to, to Satan, but makes you wonder who they credited to. Did they say he did it by Van Elizabeth? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, they, Christ did by, yeah, that's right, that's right. They did, he did Find that scripture for us, that's a good point. I need to write that down. <laughs> who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That's the basis upon which God could offer salvation to this chief of sinners. Was grace. Grace. He was a blasphemer. He was insulting. He was he was hauling those kingdom believers back to Jerusalem for persecution and death. Verse 15. This is a faithful saying. Five times in 1st and 2nd Timothy he's going to use that terminology. Either faithful saying or true saying. And anytime it says that, it means pay close attention to what he's about to say. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I am foremost. I am at the top of the list of sinners. And he, later on he talks about uh, all that he did, what he did. That he, the word chief there is protos. You use the word protos, chief, or first in two different ways. One, if it's foremost, like he's at the top of the heap. I mean, you want to know who the chief sinner is? This guy that did the dastardly deeds he did, he's at the top of that list. But also protos means first in, in numerical order. Uh, it, it can also mean first in order. And I think the next verse, the next verse absolutely teaches that. Verse 16, how be it for this cause, because he was the chief of sinners, he was the, he was the foremost sinner, but this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering God ever been long-suffering before? Oh, over and over and over again. So what's Paul talking about here? The body of Christ had to start at some point. And I think it started with the Apostle Paul in the world of Damascus. I think he was the first member of the body of Christ. And that's what it, it, how he is saved apart from Israel, apart from the twelve, on the road 
to another country and God saves him by grace. He didn't deserve it. He is the epitome. Two things. Number one, he's Jewish and he's also Roman. So why would Christ be made up of So that the Roman aspect representing that one, the, the church has one apostle where Israel had 12. It all just fits that Paul is the first member of the body of Christ on the road to Damascus. He is placed into that, that body. Then the revelation of that truth is given, given to this chief of sinners. That in me first, and I think it, that protos there means in numerical order, that Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering. But even if the word first there doesn't mean in order, pattern pretty much explains what he's talking about there. For a pattern, as a form, just what the word pattern there, a form, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. The apostle, how the apostle Paul was saved by grace, apart from Israel, is a pattern to all those that should follow after. He is the first member of the body of Christ, sealed into the day of redemption. That revelation of that truth is given to him, and that is so important that we we see that. And he, he can't help himself, verse 17. He has to launch into another praise and worship <laughs> session. When he talks about believing on him to life at rest. Now to the king tongue, the immortal, invisible, the only wise God, the honor and glory forever and ever. He stops and thinks about who he was, what he was. Nothing can compare to God's amazing grace. Verse 18, this charge I commit unto thee. Once again, he's going to command. He's going to, he's going to you that up. I'm going to give you this charge. We'll talk about that next Wednesday. Lord willing, unless the rapture takes place for you now and then. It would be great. Alright, any questions? Diane, don't do it. We have a good group out there.